Hi, I'm Ryan Dodge-Cook, and this is Summit to Talk About, your one-stop podcast for all things hiking, hills, wild camping, and the great outdoors. Wow, we really are hitting the ground running in 2023. If you've had your ear to the ground, you'll have heard the massive injustice around our rights to wild camp on Dartmoor. I recorded this episode last week and it just made sense to crop it somewhat as we began to talk about the wild camping high court judgment in a bit more detail. So you'll have seen that I released a special episode with Mark on this. This particular episode is all about Mark, aka Mully and Vagrant on the socials. Mark is a teacher with a passion for the outdoors and gets out hiking and wild camping whenever he can. Last year, Mark completed the Hebridean Way Trail and the Tour de Mont Blanc and has got big plans for this year too. Mark is also a big fan of the Hiker app and he uses this to plan and hike his adventures. You can download the Hiker app for free and start exploring straight away too. Hiker is the best app for planning your hikes and gives you all the essential information for your routes. Check it out by hitting the link in the show notes and treat yourself or a loved one by upgrading to Hiker Pro or Pro Plus and that'll unlock you extra cool features like offline mapping and a choice of different map layers. Go and download it now and plan your 2023 adventures straight away. Since releasing the special episode on Dartmoor, there's been some more news on the wild camping ban. Stick around after my chat with Mark and I'll bring you up to date. So I'm now joined by Mark Hayhurst better known on Instagram and across social media as Mully and Vagrant. Uh, welcome on to Summit to Talk About podcast, Mark. Uh, it's going to be amazing. Really looking forward to having a good chat today. So It's a, it's a really timely chat, actually, because, um, well, me and you have messaged each other in the past, haven't we? Probably well over 12 months ago, tried to um, get you sort of drumming up a bit of business, trying to get you on the podcast, but you had a really, really busy year last year, which is is great because that's given us something to talk about today. Um, we're going to have loads to, to chat about because your year last year was was quite epic in, in terms of adventure, um, but also because you're one of the sort of faces um across social media at the moment running running the uh rallying up running rallying up support for uh the dartmoor campaign so it's really really relevant this week um particularly because it's it's in the news the publicity for it is massive at the moment so no doubt we'll have uh, a big chat about that at some point today absolutely it's been an absolutely crazy couple of weeks dealing with the Dartmoor side of things so definitely want to have a conversation about that and as as you said you know last year was just incredible so we've got lots and lots to chat about we certainly have and uh as with all my guests what I'm going to do is I'm going to head right back to the beginning of the timeline um and I'm going to ask about you and and where did your love for the outdoors come from what is it about the outdoors that you love Okay, so I guess you touched upon it right at the start when you introduced me under the name Mullion Vagrant. So Mullion is this little sort of tiny community in the deepest, darkest southwest Cornwall. It's a little village. My school was probably about 60 people. Uh, there were four people on my table. It was a real sort of, you know, community area. And when I went to secondary school, um, basically the only way that I could see my friends of the weekend because we were all coming in from all these different little villages was to actually put the backpack on go to a nearest beach walk have barbecues camp out under the stars and that was the only way that I saw my friends at the weekend because you know we couldn't sort of drive at sort of 13 or 14 so from a very early age I was basically immersed in the outdoors 
what an amazing childhood that must have been. Um, although we look at that oh, adventure, just and I suppose incredible. that was the the norm for you. That was just that was just the way it was. That, that was the norm. I was like, you know, twenty minute walk from the beach. You know, we'd be down there after work, surfing and just immersing myself in nature. So, um, I've just always had a love for the outdoors. I trained as a geography teacher. I did a geography degree and all of those sorts of things. So the the outdoors has just been a part of me from, you know, an early childhood. My parents moved down to um, Cornwall um, the year before I was born. They were f- from Lancashire, and uh, their parents had a, a caravan in the Lake District, used to go there and sort of immerse myself in the hiking and stuff like that. So they were very sort of um, into the outdoors as well. So, you know, I used to get dragged on long hikes and stuff as a child. And that certainly set you up for later on in life, didn't it? Because you have... Uh... Well, you, you do like a long-distance hike, and no doubt we'll come on to that in in great detail. Um, so uh, with that being your childhood then, I suppose you don't really know anything different. You Because a lot of my guests I speak to say, you know, they might have been into the outdoors a little bit or they went on hikes with their parents a little bit, um, and then they sort of grow out of it at a, a sort of teenagers <laughs> and, and do all that kind of stuff. But it's, it sounds like it's been a big part of your life ever since the very beginning. Uh, to a to a degree, yes, but that was really based in sort of the Cornwall, the area that I grew up. You know, family holidays, and I guess it's only really been in the sort of last five years where I really got into you know the wild camping side of things on sort of Dartmoor, and then that sort of uh, spilled out into um, overnight sort of hikes where you go for a long hike you know take the tent and then you know i've sort of over a period of time sort of built that up to more adventurous stuff um so uh, i wouldn't say that um i was necessarily um you know into these long through hikes from an early sort of period of my time that's only really been in the sort of last four or five years yeah i mean well you'll know more than most it's not something you just do on the whim is it a long distance hike it takes uh, a lot of a lot of things really i.e the kit you need to have the right kit you need to have the confidence to be out and about for a, a few days isolated and um i mean a lot of people <laughs> tend to build i mean absolutely yeah absolutely and um now there's a long process in sort of i guess deciding how i'm going to spend my free time and what i'm going to do in the sort of the forthcoming year so obviously you know we've we can talk about last year and stuff like that, but you know, around Christmas time, the start of the next year, I sort of almost set reset the diary of what that year is going to look like. And I've, I've got quite a bit of a, uh, a process now on how I uh, decide what that year is going to look like. So uh, it starts off basically um, where you, you, you see, you watch all the videos, you know, your Abbey Barnes and you, you sort of dream about a place. You sort of um, get immersed in the idea of what all these places look like. You then sort of, I guess, pull out guidebooks, go on the internet and you find yourself sort of dreaming. We all do it, you know, what, where can I go next? And, you know, what can I do? And um, I've got this ever-changing list in my mind about places I want to go to. It's growing, you know, by the day as I'm sort of doing these things. And um, then you start thinking, well, what actually can I achieve in a year? Um, And, um, you know, as a teacher, I'm really lucky and I've got sort of prescribed holidays. So the next step is to get a calendar out and just literally map out 
where I might go on each holiday. So I already know in my head, and this is ever-changing, basically what I'm doing for the next two years with adventures. I'm just – so, you know, as soon as it goes on the calendar, that's there. It's in black and white. I see it, and I start saying, actually, this is reality. This is probably now going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it'll sit there for a while. I'll look at it, and I'll sort of toss those ideas around in my head, and I'll think, you know, is this a good idea and stuff like that. And then normally – it boils down to a bottle of wine. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I how do you choose? I'll be sat there one evening and I'll be... <laughs> and and I'll, I'll get to the bottom of the bottle of wine. I will be on the uh, the flight somewhere and I'll find the morning afterwards that I've inadvertently booked on a flight for the holiday and I'm committing myself. Excellent. And it's, it's sort of that process, isn't it? It's almost like um, you're dreaming and... It, you know, it's so far removed from reality. And then you sort of, this next step is scarily sort of commit and say, actually, you know, I've booked this. Now I better actually think about what this looks like and um, how this adventure is going to do, you know, take place. So um, I guess the best example recently of that was when I decided to do the Outer Hebridean Way. And um, that sort of came about from daydreaming about, um, I don't know whether you've ever seen it, a documentary on um, the internet. It was on the TV called Barra Boy. Mm. Uh, it's a strange one. It's about this Scottish island community, you know, on the Outer Hebrides, absolutely miles from anywhere. And um, it's basically a bit of a um, the boy that lived before, basically. So this boy that grew up in Glasgow um, was able to account about the island of Barra in infinite detail. He was able to say about buildings, about roads, about people that lived there, but he'd never been there in his life, wow. uh, never heard of it. And um, basically the shortfall of the um, documentary is they took him to Barra and um, asked him to guide them around the island. And he was able to sort of talk about the significance of buildings that he would never have known about and stuff like that. And so I, this, I had this idea of a sort of Barra and this really remote sort of place that I came about in this documentary probably about 10 years ago. And on that documentary was the most incredible sort of beach, crystal clear sort of beach with the plane landing on the beach. Yeah. And I said to myself at the time, I'm going to do that one day. I'm going to land on that beach and then I'm going to see, you know, that island and I'm going to sort of explore it. So that was sort of the idea, the dream that sort of set about the Outer Hebridean trip. Um, so, Lo and behold, I booked on to that plane and I uh, thought, this is absolutely brilliant. You know, I'm going to land on Barra. You know, this has got to be better than going on the ferry. What a romantic dream, land on the beach. Um, and then I started doing some research after I booked it and I thought, I can't take gas on the plane. Yeah, I remember this actually uh, on Instagram. You were sort of, yeah, I, can't, I remember you putting it on and there. I was, and um, it was in the middle of sort of, after sort of COVID or, you know, Scotland was beginning to come out of, um, you know, lockdown. A lot of the businesses weren't there. And I started asking around and saying, where can I buy sort of camping gas? And it wasn't available anywhere. Um, I just couldn't source it. The hardware store, the one store on sort of the island of Battersea, which is near it, um, did, didn't stock um, camping gas. And I was like, how am I going to get around this is issue? So that I put out a, sh a, a shout out on the local sort of me um, Facebook pages, communities for Barra, and um, all the community were rallying around, sort of asking whether anybody had any, and nobody had any. Um, 
one lady taxi driver said i think she's got some in the bottom of a shed went out to the shed and she said oh no there's only a tiny bit in there um, and i eventually got a uh, reply from a lovely couple that were coming on holiday to uh, barra and saying they were coming across on the ferry you know they were prepared to meet me at the airplane as i landed with a clutching a gas cylinder <laughs> I never met them in my life. I didn't have a clue who they were. And here they were waiting for me as I arrived with a gas cylinder, taking photos of me landing. You know, it was just one of those beautiful hiking moments when you're just like, wow. Yeah, you hear the term trail Um, angel quite a lot, but that is something else, isn't it? Yeah, so that was my first um, sort of, I guess, problem with uh, the flight. The second one was that um, Logan Air, who are the company that sort of, you know, I was flying with, advertised on their website that you needed to book additional hold luggage because it was a small plane and stuff like that, you know, and it advertised it as 20 kilograms. You know, I, I overpack, I'm no Kyle, you know, in parlor on the trail, I like to throw with the kitchen sink into my backpack. <laughs> and um, I... I basically uh, turned up at the airport with my bag packed and uh, they said, no, you're only allowed, I think it was something ridiculous, like 12 kilograms. And I was like, oh, but how am I going to do this? I've got a backpack. I've got all my stuff here. Um, I had a little hold all and it basically boiled down to that I had to split my luggage between the hold all and hand luggage and I would have the allowance that I was still allowed. So I did this, I thought this is okay and then I went to board the the plane and basically I was carrying on the two bags and put them next to me on the plane with and it was just like why on earth have you just made me empty one bag into another to put the bags next to each other? Yeah and to go onto the same plane which... It baffles me every time. And to go on the no, same some plane. science behind it, but it, it baffles me, me every time. But if... So um, they, those were the two sort of, uh, I guess, um, sort of moments with that. And then um, obviously you land on the island and um, it's, it's uh, I, I think it's about a 12-kilometre walk to the start of the trail because it's not actually – you know, starts at Barrett, starts at the sort of uh, an island called Vatasi. Right. Um, so I, I got a, a taxi to Vatasi, arrived there. Now, um, absolutely incredible setup. You arrive there, there's a community hall with a little cafe. In the cafe um, is a public toilet that they leave open at night. There's a shower in there. There's all the facilities. And it's just a really nice thing that, you know, Scotland as a... Um, as part of the UK has embraced camping to the extent that they're leaving facilities open for people to be wild camped for all intents and purposes on the beach and to um, be, um, you know, doing sort of trails like this. Um, so um, that was a really nice experience because obviously being down in Cornwall, I've not had the luxury of many places where you can sort of legally wild camp. And, mm. You know, the Scottish laws, um, which were uh, redrawn up in this, this sort of Scottish acts, now now permit that. And, um, you know, we'll get on to how that sort of draws parallels with Dartmoor and stuff like that. And, you know, how the UK could sort of benefit from the model that Scotland's got um, across a lot of the land. So, um, yeah, that was a really nice experience. Um so I camped on the beach, um, put up a Lanshan 2 I had, uh, which isn't the best for that choice. It was, 
you know, really windy on the beach. I've got a great photo on my Instagram post, basically, of, you know, 20 boulders holding this tent down because the winds were absolutely horrendous. So I literally thought I was going to lift off, and that was day one. Um, cows everywhere. Um, I didn't even account for the fact that, that you had cows on the beach, but in Scotland, apparently, that's a dumb <laughs> thing, that uh, cows can just wander up and be amongst you when you're pitched on the beach. But, yeah, that was a quite a surreal moment. So, But... Um, a beautiful hike. I mean, I, I can thoroughly recommend Scotland, the Outer Hebrides for hiking. Um, you know, you're completely away from everything there. Um, shops as well. I mean, you were literally having to carry everything on hikes across the Outer Hebrides. You know, yeah. it was days before you come across any stores and, you know, stuff like that. So that was a bit of an eye-opener. Um, myself, uh Becky Girl Outdoors, um, she's done that hike. Reflected afterwards, it's probably one of the the most brutal hikes for blisters that both of us have ever done. You walk on beaches, you walk on tarmac, you walk on moors, getting your feet absolutely wet, yeah, and your feet taking an absolute pounding, absolute pounding. I remember it. seeing um, how wet it was um from your, yeah. from your pictures and you know in, i think it, at the time like sort of in england the, the weather was was quite fair and to look at your pictures it, and obviously you were um quite far but it just looked like you were in, like, across the other side of the world somewhere how wet and miserable it looked but still epically stunning I had one of my worst nights sleep ever. I literally did not sleep a wink one night when the storm came in. I was walking uh, across the Isle of Lewis and um, a storm came in and I had to literally pitch the tent there and then, um, which just unfortunately happened to be on a peat bog. Yeah. Um, and I I literally, I had no choice. It was just horrendous. The mists came in, the rain, and um, I was literally a floating island. I um got an emergency blanket and i spread it out at the base of under my mat and the whole tent my uh, camper mat was sort of you know floating on this um raft of the camper mat with a um an emergency blanket under it and i was holding the tent down all night uh, to stop it taking off wow. um, so that was that was one of those moments where and where you're just like you know absolutely take a kicking in nature but mm. then the morning afterwards i woke up to the most incredible sunrise uh sun was glinting off everything you know it was one of those moments that was like absolute polar opposite yeah it was just you know breathtaking and i guess that was a lot about what scotland is it's it is a really remote you know windswept island but boy is the scenery beautiful and when those the sun is shining it, it is just it. absolute golden yeah, yeah. so so with this hike then across the the, the hebrides you, you did island hopping, didn't you? You had to go between islands. How many were there? So there's 11 islands, um, two ferries, and uh, I think it's something like three causeways. Right. Okay. So you're literally, so you're literally um, you know, walking across the islands, uh, knowing the timings for the ferries. You know, you might arrive sort of five hours early and have to kill the time um, because, you know, you've no choice. Yeah, um, yeah. So the timings were quite difficult, but um, yeah, it's it's just incredible that you can link up on a hike, you know, eleven islands, yeah. you know, get from Vatsi across to, you know, Harris, Lewis, you know, Storn away at the end of that and stuff like that. And how long was the trail um, altogether? How long was the trail? One hundred twenty miles, right, I think. Okay. 
Okay, so not too bad, but because of obviously the conditions, yeah. what you're walking on, the peat bogs and stuff like that, it was, you know, really quite tough going on the the feet and stuff like that. You get you get um, sort of to pitch up at the end of the day. Um, I probably did eight of those days while camping and the rest on sort of small campsites and stuff like that where I was able to sort of charge at the power banks yeah. and have a shower. But, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, I probably – I did it, I think, in about eight days. So I did it quite leisurely. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, uh, That was quite nice. Um, and then uh, had three days in Stornoway. Um have you ever had a battered pizza? No. And, you know, the, no. the idea baffles me um, just as much as a, a battered Mars bar does in Glasgow. Yeah, I mean, just absolutely incredible. <laughs> so if you ever go to Stornoway and you're on the Village Square, there's the most incredible chip shop that batters pizzas. Um, and I sat on the um, the seafront there and um, just enjoyed a battered pizza as a celebration at the end of it. And uh, that certainly sort of, for me, epitomised a bit of Scotland as well, you know. Well-earned so, calories, yeah. I'd say. After walking well miles, well-earned well yeah. calories, definitely. I mean, talking about calories, I had uh, stopped off at one um, sort of roadside cafe. I had two cheeseburgers. Um, I had um, mac and cheese. I had two flapjacks, three cans of Coke, and um, a, a sort of um, Scottish pie, no joke, all in one sitting. Wow. I wouldn't want to walk after that, though. That would be me for the night. And that was purely because I'd been hiking and I'd literally – on dehydrated food because that's all i could mm. carry and then it was just like this opportunity to absolutely calorie pack and i was yeah. just absolutely ravenous i just couldn't stop eating and <laughs> i felt so bloated but so good after that it was incredible you so, can't beat a feast on a hike can you that is the, yeah, that absolutely is the best can't. feeling ever <laughs> and what a random dish you know yeah, uh, mac, mac and cheese and chips and you know pork pies doesn't matter does it just load it all on load it all on before you start load it all on <laughs> So what other um, hikes did you do last year? Because I know that was one of the earlier ones that you did, wasn't it? That was. Um, I'm trying to think. But you know when you're sort of you know planning out the year? So I suppose the next one after that, and as I said, you put stuff on the calendar and you're like, you know, that becomes an absolute and um, you think I'm definitely going to do that. And one that I had planned was to do what was called the Snowdonia Way. Yeah. Um, and I'd fitted that into a half term and um, I got on there, uh, got down to that, you know, it was looking favourable. I packed my backpack and I met up with uh, Rome with Lottie, who's part of the Valley and Peaks family. And we um, we set off on that hike together. She was just doing the first day with me. And it was um, it was brutal. You know, the first sort of, I suppose, a uh, mile of that it was such an incline from sort of the starting point up um up to the tops and um i'd overpack the backpack i'd put mm. too much into it and um it just felt that day it was absolutely glorious i was having a really good time you know i got company and stuff like that and um uh i got to the sort of first stage and the heavens open we were sort of um camping out at uh, you know and um i just um thought why am i doing this you know i've just given myself an absolute beating it's raining i looked at the weather forecast and i had one of those moments when i was like 
actually, I don't want to complete the rest of this hike. Yeah. I'd never experienced anything like that before. It was almost like I, I was, I put myself under pressure that I was going to do this. Yeah. And now I put you? on social media that I was going to do all yeah. this. And then I was like, this isn't the way I envisaged it. Uh, this isn't, you know, I've, I've not allowed enough days to do this. It's going to rain for the next week. I, you know, I'm not going to see this in the best sort of, uh, possible light and i was like should i should i just uh quit this hike yeah and i had a day where i was like hiking with lottie and i was like umming and ahhing going backwards and forwards and in the end i pulled off the hike and it was the weirdest feeling i can honestly say that i've ever had it was like i wouldn't say a sense of relief it was a sense of um it was really mixed emotions it was yes yes i wanted to do this hike yes i geared myself up but actually no this isn't right you know then i sort of um i was i sort of uh, i guess uh walking around sort of um snowdonia then without a plan Uh, you know when you got a hike you're sort of able to say next day i'm going to do this the day afterwards i'm going to do this and i suddenly found myself without a plan um and um I sort of dragged myself on a few hikes and then thought, actually, I'm not even enjoying this. So just got in the car and went all the way back down to Cornwall and that was the end of that. And yeah. um, I was like, um, wh- why am I doing these trails? Is it for, you know, media posts? Is it for Instagram? Is it because I just feel I should be doing these? Or is this because I'm actually sort of want to be enjoying them and stuff like that? So um, I had a bit of a rethink on my philosophies of, what I wanted to do and why I was doing hikes and stuff like that after that. So I know that's a lot, a thing that a lot of people that sort of do Instagram posts go through. It's like, you know, why am I doing the adventures and stuff like that? So I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And uh, the amount of people that I've seen come and go or, or take breaks from Instagram. And I think it's healthy to do that sometimes, but also like you've done there is to rethink your purpose. Like, are you walking for you? Are you walking for people's likes and and sometimes you've got to sort of question yourself and and if you're out walking and you are not enjoying it and you don't want to be there, then the biggest thing to do is to to stop the hike and, and go home and reevaluate because if you carry on walking and put yourself through misery, it's only going to make the whole experience negative for the future. So I think you did the right thing. Absolutely. And I went back to Cornwall and it was glorious sunshine down there and I went to the beach and I went on some lovely beach cooking and suddenly yes that decision was yeah. the best decision in the world ever and you know so um next up on the trip i got on the calendar to uh do the tour de mont blanc so um you know you sort of um having the back of your mind that you've um, abandoned snowdonia you know that was going to be your training your fitness levels and then you're going straight into the tour de mont blanc and you're like okay how's this going to work <laughs> um <laughs> and uh it was just it was one of those hikes that just clicked straight away you know from the moment i arrived um i arrived by coach and um i stayed at a um a lovely campsite in chamonix and it was just the most incredible hiking community i've ever come across uh there were so many like-minded people the buzz around the place was incredible everybody was sat around you know with beers and i guess it's 
Because we don't get that in the UK as much as sort of Europe or America. There's yeah. that real sort of rail sort of community. And the Tour de Mont Blanc really is that sort of community. You know, you're hiking each day. And at the end of the day, there's only so many stops because of, you know, the options for camping, you know, the bivouac sites where you can camp. So you end up seeing the same people in the yeah. evening and start building up that sort of uh, rapport. And that I was just absolutely buzzing. So, um, and did you do that off. solo as well, Mark? I did that solo, but then you sort of meet people on yeah. route, and I'll go into that um, about some of the amazing people and stories. So, yeah, as I was hiking from Chamonix up the path, I immediately sort of, you know, thought, I'm really going to enjoy this. I stopped at a cafe, uh, had a tartiflette. You know, this was 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, cheese and potatoes and stuff like that in a cafe and stuff like that, you know, sat out with a beer. And um, I chanced upon meeting um, a group of hikers that were hiking for the uh, the Irish Guard, right. uh, the, um, the Belfast sort of, you know, Irish Guard. And um, we got chatting and stuff like that. And I, I was like inadvertently... Um, got hot and thought and there was what i thought was a drinks fountain down the side next to me so i i got my um sort of uh glass of coke that i'd finished and i went to fill that up and um inadvertently filled it up with um hand sanitizer and just about was about wow. to neck it and this um <laughs> this irish guard I sort of yelled don't do that that's hand sanitizer <laughs> so um that was my introduction to that group yeah. and um Obviously, as you're hiking along, you sort of chance across the same people. And I got chatting to that group. And as the hike went on, they sort of became my almost hiking adoptive family. Yeah. We sort of ended up camping together and I started hiking with those lads. And that was, they were a really nice group to sort of be around. Um, I'd be hiking solo for most of the day, but you'd end up walking at the same pace and overtaking each other, stopping yeah. and you know, so uh, that, yeah, that was lovely. That, I um, think that sums up the hiking community in general. Um, yeah, it, it's it is such a nice thing to be a part of, isn't it? So that's nice to hear that 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 sort of carries on across Europe and and elsewhere. Yeah, but it's a really really interesting hike, um, Mont Blanc, in that you're going through three countries with very different takes on uh, wild camping laws and what facilities are be prepared to offer the uh, the hiker so yeah. in france obviously you know they tolerate wild camping a lot more you know if you're getting up at in the morning you know early and you know um putting the tent up at night they sort of almost turn a bit of blind eye a bit like you know a lot of the national parks higher up and stuff like yeah. that but um and they also have a lot of designated camping areas which are called bivouacs where they're permitted sort of camping spots and stuff like that so hiking through france and camping is a really easy thing to do yeah and then you get you get to um next up is italy and that is the absolute polar opposite um <laughs> it is miles of sort of trail with not a lot of facilities and campgrounds um and the risk of 500 euro fines if you're caught while camping wow okay um, so um, that in itself sort of complicates things because, you know, you've got to make certain distances. If the weather comes in, you really have not got an option about where you can pitch up safely. So I was hiking through Italy and um, 
I had no sort of hiking sort of plans about where I was going to end up. I was like, I'm going to have to wing this. You know, maybe I'm going to have to stealth camp somewhere behind a sort of forest or something outside, yeah. or, you know. Um, and um, I, I I got absolutely knackered. And I was at one of these refuges. Now, you know, um, refuges are a huge part of uh, the Tour de Mont Blanc. Uh, they, you know, offer meals, offer places to stay a bit like a youth hostel. Yeah. and um, but you need to book them months and months in advance. Um, you know, they're like gold dust to get places. And I was lucky to um, get a cancellation at the last minute in Italy in one of those. Um, oh, that, that was just an incredible experience. I mean, you're literally lying out in a, a sort of dorm on wooden boards with sort of 20 people all next to each other, all sleeping bags out and uh, getting up for meals, most incredible meals and stuff like that. So, you know, I can thoroughly recommend if, you, um, recommend if you're doing the Tour de Mont Blanc, booking at least a couple of nights in advance into the refuges, probably in the Italy section and doing that yeah. side of things. Um so that was one night in Italy. The other was literally I had to walk probably about 12 miles out of my way to go to sort of the Val d'Ossa sort of campgrounds, which lower down in the valley right. and sort of then return back onto the sort of trail. Um, so, again, um, you know, camping and the laws in Italy sort of created problems. But, um, again, an incredible campsites down there, you know, bars and facilities and stuff. So that's certainly good. And then you get to switzerland and suddenly you're buying cans of coke and stuff and you're you know because of the remoteness being charged seven pounds because of you know the cost of living over there and bottle water i've never paid for such expensive water in my life and you're like absolutely don't want to stop and eat there so you're just absolutely determined to blitz through switzerland to keep the costs down and stuff like that so uh, it really is quite a mix of experiences but boy what scenery i mean every turn you just you know it's hard it's hard going the inclines you know you're basically going up snowden and down snowden sort of three times in the day sort of you know i'm just looking on the hiker up here now and it's 164 kilometers or just under 165 kilometers which i mean in terms of length isn't that long but the elevation gain across that is 8079 meters which is incredible yeah, big up to Hiker app for that sort of route because I followed I followed uh, the route using Hiker for that. And um, I don't know what also uh, what people know about the Tour de Mont Blanc, but there's lots of variants. So there's lots of chances to take even more extreme and stupid routes if you think the weather's going to be good and you want to go hardcore and take in all the scenery. So the second day I did um, the Col de Four, it's called. It's um, an even higher point. And I made the decision that that was going to be the one spot in France where I was going to sort of wild camp, sort of, you know, away from these bivouacs. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, that was just the most incredible spot. I think I was like 1,800 metres up, you know, just me solo camping on the top of a mountain, nobody around, uh, view, breathtaking views all around me. So that's certainly... Um, an experience that i would uh, I mean, recommend your pictures from when you did when you did the trail because uh, obviously you you flooded instagram didn't you for a good a good while afterwards as well because you had that many pictures and i can see why i mean walking along and just seeing those views constantly i'd just be taking so many pictures and and obviously you did you are and, and i, I mean i started amazing to look at and, and just be immersed in that for nearly two weeks 
Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't post while I was out there too much as well. So I'd had this huge bank of sort of stuff that I had to slowly post because I like to, when I'm hiking, sort of almost hike a- uh, post afterwards as if I'm still doing the hike because that gains momentum and stuff yeah. like that. And it was like, once I started posting, it's like, flipping heck, I've got so much stuff here. It was like four <laughs> posts a day. You know, the content, it just deserved to be put out there. And it was it did, just yeah. like, it's just like incredible. I was just like, wow, I could be posting about this flipping height for the next year and not run out of material. And it's like, where do you draw the line? <laughs> you know, there's a, a section where you're like literally climbing up uh, steel ladders up the side of a cliff. Yeah. And I had 20 kilograms on my back and I was literally like pulling myself up these ladder sections. Wow. So, um, and that, that was just. Yes, that was quite nerve-wracking because I'm not great with hikes. And I was like, some everybody was saying, you know, there's this section, you know, it's quite notorious. You've got to go up sort of six different steel ladders up a rock face and, you know, you've got to hoik your backpack up there and stuff like that. And um, so, that, yeah, that was quite an experience and certainly uh, nowhere near as bad as you anticipate. But, um, yeah just stunning as well so all those little things made that height just absolutely incredible yeah I was so say that you always get these little bits these little hairy moments but when you look back at them they're amazing aren't they and they make they make the hike what it was yeah so you immediately start when you get back off a hike like that think wow that was life-changing life-affirming sort of moment how are you going to better that um, and again it goes back to the daydreaming and the researching and you know there's various sort of hikes around mont blanc you know you've got the hikers hort route and you know various other sort of routes and you're like well how, how i'm what what next um and i've settled and i've booked on for next year i can't wait the uh gr20 okay now yeah. do you know about that hike corsica corsica yeah, yeah. um and so uh, the elevation on that, if you think Fort Mont Blanc was insane, it's just ridiculous. Let's get so, it up on um, crap for some stats. So get some stats so up on that. Um, yeah. And that's got chains that you pull yourself up boulders on, not ladders. So that's, you know, going to be certainly an experience. Oh, um, that's, and that's, that's really right well on. set up again for hiking. There's refuges along the road that are sort of 15 euros a night camping at each of those at five euros a night with all the cooking facilities so there's going to be a real i hope hiking community on that as well i'm sure there probably will be like you say if it's in europe and these are the sort of ones that they're not like um they're not like oh the west island way i suppose is, is quite a good one in the uk for, for people coming in in from different countries but it's not like a little local trail is they're very well-known trails where people do travel to go and to go and hike them so i imagine there will be quite a big community community feeling amongst that um that trail anyway yeah it's open i mean um you know i'm getting a bit picky now you sort of start seeing abby barnes you know doing trails and putting it on her instagram posting you're like damn okay that's one off the list now you know um i guess the the example would be um the Isle of Skye, the Skye Trail, about three years ago, that was absolutely top of my list as the must-do hike. Um, not many people were doing it, and now I look at Instagram, and it's it seems like every you know, everybody's doing that hike at the moment. Um, yeah. And 
this kind of lose their appeal a bit for me. You know, it's like, actually, where's the sense of adventure when I've sort of watched a hundred videos on this and um, everybody seems to be posting about it and it waters down. So I'm getting a bit, yeah. a bit pretentious now, I guess is the word, about trying to find hikes that are a bit more unusual that I don't, I certainly haven't seen posted as much about. Um, yeah. So that's that's quite a journey for me from you know one day hikes to sort of you know getting picky looking at sort of yeah. like that. Well, so I, I get next- it because like you say, when people are sharing those pictures over and over again, and there's uh, YouTube is swamped with the same videos of the same trails. Once you've because you do your research, and once you've watched those videos, you kind of get it. You kind of see almost oh, all right. You've not been there. You've not been immersed in it, but you see everything. So looking yeah. out for these newer trails, these new, it's almost looking for a new high, isn't it? Like an adrenaline junkie. It is. It's that you've, you've hit the nail. It's the adrenaline junkie and it's the, I'm, I'm doing something a bit different and a bit yeah. off the beaten track and out there. And, um, so how many weeks have I got? Three weeks. And next I've booked, um, a flight out to Mallorca, um, bit of sunshine, you know, shagaloof and all that sort of thing, <laughs> you know, um, no, I'm, I'm doing a trail called the GR20, which is across the um, limestone plateaus of Mallorca. Um, right. It's about sort of 90 miles. Um, I'm going to do it over six days again, camping out, um, doing that. And it's a trail that until you sort of um, start Googling um, around and stuff, I'd never heard of. Um, right. And uh, a lot of the Grand Randonnies, I sort of, not been really that aware of you know they're very big out in europe a lot of the communities out there and some incredible hikes that you know um so i'm started thinking rather than the ones in the uk which you know uh during covid i guess were very much more on my agenda starting beginning to think about you know stuff that maybe i could do uh quite easily and quite cheaply um that's on my doorstep in sort of europe so yeah. the flight out yeah. um york has cost me 80 pounds you know i'm getting it from my local airport um and um i'll be wild camping so i can't see me spending a great deal of money on that one so and it's you know completely different isn't it and it's completely different for me anyway i'm yeah. sure other people might have heard of it but it's not one that i until i did no so um yeah that just sounds absolutely incredible and um from all the descriptions the navigation the signposting of that route aren't um too spectacular either you know um so that's certainly um one that i'm looking forward to um doing but also because again it's not signposted i'm gonna have to rely on the old compass and map for that one it's not one that's that's going back to basics and really that's going a bit back to basics yeah so um looking forward to that one so yeah excellent what else have you got planned for this year uh i mean okay i'm going back to dartmoor now i'm i just need to and we can talk about this in a minute i need to be spending some time you know appreciating what i've got in the uk as well so dartmoor i'll certainly be spending a lot of time continuing to wild camp on despite the recent changes there that we'll talk about but um, we will definitely and then uh, definitely definitely talk about uh, that one thing i want to bring uh, up so i'll definitely be doing that and i want to do a lot of Sorry, what I was going to say, and you might have even just been coming onto it there. One thing I do want to quickly jump on 
is um, this pack rafting life of yours as well, because I've seen quite a bit of, um, I've seen a few posts that you've been putting on Instagram of pack rafting, um, which looks awesome, by the way. Um, so I just oh, wanted to touch on that a bit. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, isn't that amazing how you, you know, you have a year like I did last year, which included the pack rafting and, you know, so much going on that that one slips my mind. That's been <laughs> such an incredible gift sort yeah. of last year. So I was at the uh, National Outdoor Expo in sort of Birmingham, um, yeah. which is a great, great event. Um, I, I met so many wonderful people from the Instagram community, you know, so many people that I'd chatted to on, online and never had the opportunity to meet. Uh, so many great sort of people that uh, market stuff over there. I must have um, missed you. I was there on the Sunday, you know, so I'm um, guessing you were there on the Saturday. I was there on the Saturday, uh, yeah, and um, ah, obviously Hiker, Hiker were there, you know, yeah. Ian and stuff like that. So I uh, had a great chat with him, and we uh, swapped a few tales, and that was the first time I'd met that lovely, lovely man. Um, so, um, yeah, um, so um, one of the stalls I was chatting to on there was uh, – a, uh, a pack rafting sort of uh, a company. Now, I've never come across a pack rafts in my life, pack your life there. Um, the uh, sole distributors of a uh, pack raft called uh, the MRS, which is an unbelievable piece of kit. You know, these, these rafts, these inflatable canoes literally weigh something between three and four kilograms and pack down to the size of a small sleeping bag you know you yeah. can fit them into your backpack you can carry those um along a sort of trail get them out inflate them paddle for a bit and um go on and the, these guys i got chatting to and i was just wowed by the piece of kit and um i we we didn't really um you know swap too many details and stuff like that but i dropped a message when i came back just saying how much i'd enjoyed you know chatting to them and they they reached out to me and um provided a uh pack raft for me to use um as long as i was posting about it and doing some adventures um and uh, i was just blown away by this yeah. piece of kit i took it on my local river you know to spots where um I could uh, couldn't get to normally, you know. It was just me, my tent, a bit of wild cooking because it was on the beach, you know, leave no trace and stuff like that. And um, it just really opened up so many possibilities. So yeah. yes, I will be doing a lot more adventures using that great piece of kit. Um, as a child, you touched upon it, you know. Early on, you know what influenced me getting into hiking, into wild camping. I was such a fan of sort of adventure novels as a kid. I don't know whether you ever read the Swallows and Amazons novels, Arthur Ransom. No, I have heard of these though. Okay, but basically they're based around sort of uh, the Lake District, so uh, Lake Windermere, Lake Coniston, and they're about. Um, a, a group of people that come down on holiday from sort of London and um, stay on a farm and get a, a boat where they explore sort of uh, the local Lake District lakes and they go on adventures, wild camping and end up on this incredible island called Wildcat Island where they pitch up their tents and wild cook. And as a kid, that just absolutely painted the most magical picture in my mind. So when I got this camp, 
pack raft, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Lake Coniston where, you know, the Squalor Zam Amazon was based, where it's filmed, and I'm going to actually pack raft across to this island and I'm going to spend the night there and I'm going to live my childhood sort of dreams. And that was one of those most golden moments where you're just like literally living your childhood fantasies, you know, that you've lived through and thought, you know, this is what I want to do when I'm older. You know, I want to just adventure and stuff like that. And it was just the most incredible. I had the whole island to myself. I was just, you know, lit a, lit a little fire in yeah. the middle of it and uh, wild camped and uh, cooked up some meals and uh, had a few beers and was just like feeling absolutely blessed by life. So, yeah, yes, definitely. that background is just an unbelievable piece of kit. So, yeah. do check that out, guys. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, what we'll do is we'll put the link in the show notes for um, for the website so that people can go and have a little explore on them and, and see if there's anything that takes their fancy. Uh, yeah, and I, I had the uh, joy of going to the Southampton Boat Show and uh, with the uh, Pack Your Life crew and sort of, you know, uh, talking to people about that piece of kit. And that's, that's the other world. That's the world I want to be a part of. You know, yeah. the money in that place was just <laughs> unbelievable. Super yachts left, right and centre. Yeah. And, you know, the conversations I was having was, this piece of kit, wouldn't this be great as a, yeah, a tender to my boat so I can go shopping and stuff like that? <laughs> it's a hey, whole different world. If yeah. you start mixing they, in the right circles, somebody might, they, somebody might gift you a super yacht. <laughs> this is it. You know, I did... Um, I did the National Outdoor Expo and I've now done Southampton Boat Show. So, yes, if anybody wants to gift a super yacht to me, you know, (laughs) I will do a few posts for you. Will you be attending the National Outdoor Expo this year? Yes, almost certainly. So that's very much on the agenda. Uh, Valley and Peaks are there this year uh pack your life are there this year and a whole host of people from the uh instagram community that have already said they're going so i know there's uh, there's going to be a great um spirit there and a great community so come along to that as well and meet us all yep i'm uh i'm there for both days this year hopefully planning to to meet people um that was what sort of one of the things i wanted to do this year is try and get out and about a bit more and meet all these people that i speak to online but i've never actually mm. met face to face so that's uh i'm hoping to yeah do that this year I'm, i mean i know that you did this as well but uh the hiker guys came over didn't they and we yes. did um a few uh hiker sort of uh, meetups across some of the areas that uh you know hiker um use the app and that was really great experience yeah, in- yeah. Sort of Derbyshire and stuff like that, and meeting the guys and you know the Peak District and sort of seeing them there and doing a hike together and um, so yeah, I mean again that was that was a, a great thing that came out of the National Outdoor Expo was you know saying that that was something that I wanted to do with them so yeah yeah excellent hopefully that we're, well hopefully I'll meet you at the at the expo at some point and we'll, uh, we'll we'll grab a chat at some point no doubt. thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure listening to your uh your 2022 year of adventure and to hear about what you've got coming up this year so thank you so much uh for sharing all that with us absolutely lovely really enjoyed that chat so next up is obviously Mallorca, the gr20 in three weeks time and uh, look out for some great posts hopefully on that and hopefully that all goes to plan so it's been lovely chatting and i look forward to uh, sharing more adventures 
Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers now. Bye. So, since the High Court judgment on the 13th of January, we've all had the freedom to wild camp on Dartmoor taken away from us. Dartmoor was the last place in England where we could freely roam and wild camp without requiring permission, meaning we really could reconnect with nature. The Dartmoor National Park Authority have worked fast to try and come to an agreement with landowners. And on the face of it, and in simple terms, we can wild camp in certain areas of Dartmoor. However, a few of the landowners have dug their heels in and will no longer be able to camp on their land. Other landowners are in two camps, no pun intended. Some are happy for the status quo to remain and others are willing to allow wild camping for a fee. This fee will be paid for by the National Park and they've asked DEFRA, the Department for Environment, Food and Rural Affairs, to help with funding. Talks are in the early stages and there hasn't been a sum announced yet, or just how this will actually be paid, because Dartmoor National Park Authority are already underfunded and they're actually having to close their visitor centre this year. We haven't won our rights back. Wild camping, when it's being paid for, isn't really wild camping and it takes away the element of adventure to it, and all that we've loved for many years without hindrance. It's likely that we'll end up footing the bill, and this hasn't been announced, but we already know places like the Trussex National Park have been using a permit scheme for wild camping around Loch Lomond in Scotland, and this seems like a likely option going forward. But what we really want is for our rights back. We want the High Court judgment appealed. It's worth noting that the discussions for an agreement between the National Park and the landowners is for permission to use the land. Permission can be revoked at any time and doesn't secure our future. The National Park have updated and released the wild camping map and you'll see, when you look at it, that many areas have been removed. On Saturday the 21st of January, Rights Rome organised a mass trespass on Dartmoor, where it's estimated that between 3,000 and 4,000 people turned out to peacefully and respectfully protest. The images and footage that I've seen are incredible and just goes to show how strong our community is. It's raised vital awareness and brought people together to celebrate Dartmoor, and our right to roam in England, in the hope that the National Park will appeal the judgement. Since last week, many people have signed the petitions for this matter to be discussed in Parliament, but we still need more signatures. It takes less than two minutes to do this, it has already been mentioned in Parliament, and we need to keep this discussion going. Please consider writing to your local MP to ask them to sign the early days motion EDM 763, and this will urge the government to bring forward new legislation around our right to roam in England, as this really could change everything. If you don't have time to write a letter, drop me a message and I'll send you a template that I've already written. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Mark and that it's got you inspired for adventure this year. If you're still looking to challenge yourself, please check out the link for Summit Else events in the show notes. On April the 29th, I'll be running the very first challenge event, the Angles Arc Loop Challenge. 40 kilometres, 24.8 miles, through the Lancashire countryside in under 12 hours. Come and join us and test your grit. It'll be a great day and you'll bag yourself a medal. See the link and get your early bird discount at 20% off if you book before the end of January. As ever, I'm truly grateful for all of your support with something to talk about. If you'd like to become an official Patreon supporter, please check the link in the show notes or in my Instagram bio. There's three different tiers to choose from and you could grab yourself some cool stickers and behind-the-scenes content. 
That is all for this one. Keep putting one foot in front of the other, and I'll see you in the next one.